Noah and Olive, we're so glad that they are all here with us today. <laughs> in, the, in the prayer room before service, Brother Vance came up to me and said, I remember when she was just a little baby. And I thought, well, she's only about two now. He said, no, I'm talking about Tara. That's how far some of these families go back. And uh, yes, so we're thankful to have them here. I'm going to invite them to come and minister to us today. Let the Lord just do whatever he wants. Amen. If you're going to receive from them, would you say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm excited to be here with you all today. I've tried to meet as many people before we started singing as possible. I think I found my way to meet half of you. Um, but just just so you know, I, I've already probably forgotten half your names as well. Uh, but that's just, that's not, you know, that's just how my head's wired. Um, but just seeing you all and, and being here today is such a blessing for me and my family. Uh, and so we're, we're really excited. I think the main things I've been communicating to Elder Flowers has been, I'm just excited to be there and worship with you all and, and, and meet and speak with uh, brethren who, uh, you know, we, we feel your prayers and we feel a unity in the spirit. We're just over the pass. Uh, it's a very different looking place. Uh, and I say that to compliment you. Uh, I was telling Brother Escobar that, you know, where we, where we live in Pierce County and Sumner, Washington, just uh, and attending uh, Life Church Federal Way, it's, it's gray, and this is just the time of year we're in, okay? Um, it might look like I've gotten some sun recently. I'm just kidding. But I, I, that's a different topic. But I haven't. We haven't seen the sun in a while. It's been a few days. Maybe it's been a week or longer. And when we do, it's for 10 minutes at a time, and I literally, we'll just get the kids out. Let's go. Let's go to, fr to the, the front yard, the backyard. Let's, let's just get out because it's dry and there's some blue in the sky well anyways we we head over the pass and uh we end up at what's it called elk heights we see elk heights and uh it's been snowing it's been raining the entire time we've been socked in up in the mountains and all of a sudden as we make the turn the corner on elk heights it's like it's blue skies and it just broke it was like we left this big dome of clouds and you know moisture <laughs> and all that to say i'm just so thankful to be with you yeah. uh, i think i'm a little i'm even my mood is even uh you know i've got some vitamin d in the system today and uh we got in the the car and it's like 45 or something here 42 degrees but it's warm it's a warm 42. <laughs> Our 42 is different, church. Like, you know, again, another compliment. Like, it's, it's cold. Our 42 is cold because it's wet. It's 42 and rainy. Um, anyways, so <laughs> just so happy to be with you today. Uh, I'm going to stop rambling and uh, ask my wife to, to greet you all uh, before we move from here.
Praise the Lord. It's good to be with you. I thought I was going to get out of this because I got asked to play the piano. <laughs> um, it's so good to be with you. Um, I wish we could make it over here more often, but um, it's really good to see some familiar faces, Sister Elena, Sister um, Mays, Brother Vance, the Escobars, and many, of, uh, many others. I haven't got to meet everyone yet, but... Um, it's very encouraging to see you still serving the Lord in the truth. Um, we, we started our life groups back up earlier this week, um, and those are just midweek Bible studies in the home with our uh, congregation over in Federal Way. And we were reflecting over the last couple years through the pandemic, um, you know, church online, coming back, being in person. And um, to be honest, it took about a year for things to feel kind of normal again for us. And um, we were going around and sharing and reflecting on that. And, um, you know, there's so much, um, there's kind of like a, a dreariness in the atmosphere with everything going on in the news and everything that we intake with what's going on in the world right now. And, and uh, you know, how the pandemic and coming out of it and all the you know, how hard it was and how different everything is now. But we came away from it feeling actually encouraged we had so many say you know actually yeah it was hard during that time but I think our family grew closer you know had more time with you know the husband husband had more time with the kids you know school at home all these things and we came away from it feeling so encouraged um and I just want to say you know it's so good to see all your faces here today and um, we love you, and greetings from the Federal Way Congregation, and look forward to worshiping with you on April 10th as we gather together for the United. So mark your calendars. Um, but anyway, good to see you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Please worship with us as we sing this song. Amen. We're going to sing this, uh, just a couple worship choruses. Um, of course, Sister Flowers. I give honor to your elder and Sister Flowers and their family, uh, to our bishop, to Sister Schoonover. Uh, happy to be here in submission to their oversight. Um, but as we, as we kind of continue, we've had such a good time with the flowers. Um, we, we spent a couple hours with them last night, uh, which we could spend more time even uh, from here. But I, I just have to say, as we step into service today, and as uh, Brother Hart, Elder Hart, uh, opened in prayer, and as we began to sing songs, man, there's such a sweet presence of the Lord in this place. And uh, I may have said some goofy things just now, you know, but I just want to tell you, you're in the right place today. I believe I'm in the right place. And it's the right time to be in the presence of the Lord today. So I'm just enjoying worshiping with you all. I'm, I'm going to ask that you would, if you don't mind standing, maybe singing some these songs with us. Just a couple choruses. And uh, would you just begin to enter again into that spirit of worship, spirit of submission. I believe the Lord's got a plan for today. It's not by the excellency of speech or the wisdom of man. That's not what he has in mind today. It's a demonstration of the power of his spirit, of the one true God, as Paul wrote. That's why we're here today. 
And I, I know that he's already here. He's already moving. He's already working in our hearts. You know, King David wrote that um, a broken and a contrite heart that you will not despise. And so I encourage you. I, I felt like there was such a unity in the spirit already. But if you're not there quite yet, I would encourage you over the next couple moments. Would you begin to submit again? Would you let go of maybe any kind of leftover burdens, leftover cares? The Bible instructs us to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. There's a reason for it. There's a purpose for it. And King David understood that when he said, a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, that you will not reject, that you will not despise, that you will not ignore. And so could we as a body bring that spirit to him as we sing some songs?
type of worship, when we engage in worship, not just to entertain or to feel good or to feel emotion, but when we truly surrender in worship. I know those are big words, but when I truly get to a point in my spirit where I'm saying, okay, over the, whatever your plan is for the next hour, whatever your plan is for the next half hour, for however long this season is that I'm standing here today, 
that I'm next to my, my brother and my sister. I'm, I've, I've here, I'm here. I've got my family. Whatever that season looks like, I'm submitted. I'm submitted and I'm open and I'm surrendered to whatever you want to do. That's a contrite heart. That's a broken spirit. That's a spirit that's allowed itself to say, okay, I know I, I hold myself together so often. Us men in the room, this, this is an easy thing to do. I hold myself together and I keep it together and I keep it strong and I work my Monday to Friday or Saturday, whatever your shift looks like. That's not the kind of spirit that God wants, though, in worship. He wants a spirit that's allowed itself to be broken apart, allowed itself to separate as the Lord would want to separate some things out, allowed itself to be sifted, and allow those imperfections to come out. Allow some things to come up and, and, and surface in my spirit so that the Lord can say, hey, this, this is a good thing. This over here, I need to get it out of you. And it's for your good. It's, I'm working it for your good. My word will not return void unto me. I'm not slack concerning my promises like other men. Just understand that I'm trying to take some things out. And... Um, I thank you for your spirit of worship because it's, it's inspiring to me. And um, it allows us to, even though, you know, you don't know me all that well and I might not know you all that well, uh, we can just get here and flow in the spirit and understand that God can do some things to change my life. God can do some things over the next few moments to change your life. Even. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Are you ready to read some scripture today? We're going to read quite a bit. <laughs> I, I already warned uh, Brother Timothy back there, and he was like, oh, challenge accepted. That's fine. However, however many verses you want to read today. So I'm just letting you know. That's, he cleared us. Second Timothy chapter 3. Before we read, and we're going to open up the Old Testament, Okay. We're going to go through some things. We're going to read about some people. There's going to be a lot of names, a lot of names, and there's, there's going to be quite a few things we're going to read about. There's stories, but before that, let's, uh, let's just get on the same page. All scripture, someone say all scripture, is given by inspiration of God. We understand that. It's infallible. The word of God does not contradict itself. The word of God is what we need. The word of God can change my life. Here's, here's what it goes into, though. It's God-breathed, is what other translations say. All scripture is God-breathed. Every verse, every verse that's been allowed to become, okay, this is, this is what we describe as the books of the Bible, every verse in the Bible, all of it, even the Old Testament, even today, in 2021, all scripture is God-breathed, and it is profitable. Someone say profitable. Profitable. What does that mean? It's good for me. It brings about a positive development. It is for my good, scripture is, for a few things. What are those few things? It's for doctrine. Doctrine. Anyone believe it's important to have sound doctrine? 
How, how, do you get to, how do you get to heaven? How do I develop a relationship with Jesus? What is my understanding of the Godhead, of who God is, of who Jesus is, of the role of the Spirit, the move of the Spirit in my life? All of those things, I need to understand that doctrine comes from the Scripture. If I, if I want to know how to get to heaven, how to avoid the fiery place, how to tell others how to get to heaven, I need doctrine. And scripture is profitable for doctrine. You're like, I know this. Why is he? This is first grace. No, it's, sometimes it's good to just remind ourselves. All scripture is profitable. All of it. For reproof. Reproof. Reproof, another way to describe that word is conviction. Someone say conviction. Profitable for conviction to show me some things like I was just talking about, some things in my life that maybe don't need to be there, or some things in my life that he's, the Lord is trying to inspire me into or call me into. That's what conviction does. It can call me out of some things, and it can call me into some other things. It's profitable for that. It's profitable for correction. You can see this, and maybe you think of correction. I'm a parent of some young kids, and I think of some very <laughs> uh, basic <laughs> definitions of correction. No, don't do that. Do that one more time. No, you know, you know what I mean. And that word actually describes restoration. The word of God is profitable for restoration. It doesn't just tell me and convict me that I need to make some changes. The word of God shows me the way to making those changes, to get back into a right standing with him. The word of God is profitable for that. And lastly, it's profitable for instruction in righteousness. How to live a life that is holy. How to live a life that allows others to see the fruit that comes from my life. How to live a life that shows, that shines brightly in such a dark world. Instruction in righteousness. Let's read the next verse. That the man of God, here's the so what. Now we've been told that the scripture, all scripture is profitable for these things. But here's the result. So the man of God can be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In other words, the man of God can develop maturity. The man of God, you know we're not perfect, right? We, I know I'm not perfect. And this is saying here that the man of God can develop maturity. That the man of God can grow spiritually, constantly, and consistently. And walk with God. And walk with his truth and with all his heart, with all his mind, all of those things. Thoroughly furnished, thoroughly equipped, thoroughly fitted is another way it says. Outfitted with what I need to do the good works that he's called me to. Outfitted to be spiritual and to, to be mature like he's called me to be. Amen? All right, we're on the same page. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. First Kings chapter 2. I'm going to just give you a fair warning. I'm a pacer. Um, 
I know Brother Elder Flowers likes to walk around, but I might end up. <laughs> might. Yeah, I was looking around, you know, getting. I was talking to Brother Brother Mays. Like, you got a nice facility here, and now I'm realizing just just how I am. I walk when I talk, and my wife's gonna look at me. I'm, I might be over there, you know, just in a couple minutes. So I'm gonna see how long I can stand here in this spot. You're already seeing me inch over there. First Kings chapter 2. I want to talk about a couple of kings in particular. The first king is King Solomon. And this is coming out of some recent study, recent just reading, honestly. Devotion in the Word. And I've, I've actually spent some time in ministry um, about these scriptures over the last few weeks in Federal Way. Um, I don't know if we're going to, you know, this isn't a, in any way a carbon copy of what I shared last week. In some ways, it's, it, it encompasses some of the scriptures we read last week in Federal Way and then the week before, but we're just going to see where God takes this. I read the scripture in first, uh, 2 Timothy with you because this might just seem like we're reading a few stories about a few men, but I, I believe that you are here today in a state of surrender, in a state of submission to the Spirit of God. And as we begin to read these stories, you might begin to feel a spark in your spirit. Wow, that reminds me of something. Wow, that, that brings me to my current situation. Or that reminds me of the relationship I might have with so-and-so. That reminds me of a dynamic I have existing in my life today. Or a dynamic that I had growing up. That's how powerful the scripture is. And so let's read the word together. Can we read it from that perspective? Understanding that we're, we're talking about some men in the word, in, in history. But even then, you and I can glean from it. You and I can find profit for ourselves for not just doctrine, but instruction in righteousness. For reproof, for conviction, and for restoration. In Jesus' name. All right. 2 Kings chapter 2. Oh, I'm sorry. First Kings. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's how much scripture we're reading today. Just, we'll be. <laughs> don't don't worry. Don't worry. Um, First Kings chapter two, verse one. When I walk through these scriptures, I like to envision a scene. Okay, I'm a visual learner, and so I like to envision a scene, like an opening scene. Okay, and this is what's taking place. Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son. I, I picture King David on his deathbed, and he's talking to his son, Solomon. And he says, I go the way of all the earth. I'm about to die. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. Okay, pretty standard stuff. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it's written in the law of Moses, that you might prosper in all that you do and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. Or another way to read that is wherever you turn yourself, wherever you're brought in terms of your season of life, what circumstances come your way, all of those things, that you might prosper. 
that the Lord may continue his word which he spoke concerning me, King David said, saying, if your children take heed to their way, this is key, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. You get the scene here? That's the intro. So I'm going to talk to you about Solomon for a little bit. King Solomon, we, many of us are familiar with his story. God approached him in a vision and said, what would you like? What would, what would you like? And Solomon is humble. Actually, he says, I'm just a boy. Um, and I've been given this great kingdom. He understands the weight. He's only the third king of Israel, okay, to date. And he understands the weight of the situation. He's seen his father, and he knows that his father was a good man, a righteous man, made some mistakes, not perfect, but walked with the Lord. And Solomon approaches the Lord back and says, um, would you give me wisdom? Would you just give me understanding to discern judgment is what the Bible says. Please grant that to me. Understanding to discern judgment. And the Lord is touched by this prayer. We know this. The Lord is touched by the prayer and says, wow, because you said that, I will give you understanding to discern judgment. There will, there will, no, there will be, uh, it says, there will never be another like you. There has never been anyone before you that compares in wisdom. But because of that, because you asked for understanding to discern judgment, because your prayer was to trust God, that's our story, okay? That's our lesson. Because your prayer was not for the things or for the circumstances to change, but just that he would get the understanding of the Lord. He would understand the mind of the Lord. The Lord was touched by it and said, okay, because of that, I'm going to also give you riches. I'm going to bless your kingdom, and I'm going to give you everything that any man could ever want. Wow. That's great. Verse 12 says, I'm going to quote it, I have done according to your words, God said. I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee. I have also given that which you have not asked, both riches and honor. If thou, this is verse 12 of First uh, Kings chapter 3, sorry. Down to verse 14 it says, If thou wilt talk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David did walk, then I will lengthen your days. You sense the theme there? If you will walk in my ways, if you'll keep my statutes and commandments as your father David did, I will lengthen your days. So Solomon built the Lord's temple. Solomon began to amass a great kingdom. He united the kingdom. He actually was used in some, some, uh, some military uh, actions early on. He, uh, there was his brother tried to take the throne. Long story short, he ended up with the throne. Okay, King Solomon. <laughs> That's all you need to know. The Lord gave him victory. And... The Lord blessed his kingdom. There are multiple verses that say there was, no, there was no kingdom like Solomon's kingdom in the earth. 
It says in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 23, So King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and for wisdom. That's how far the Lord took it for King Solomon. So we understand this is a great, great man, a man after God's own heart to this point. The Lord had blessed him. The Lord had prospered him. The Lord had raised him in an environment where he had everything he needed to succeed. What a blessed young man, right? And he walked in that blessing. He walked in the purpose in which he was raised for. Sounds like a young man who was raised the right way. Thank God. I hope to do the same with my children. And the Lord blessed him in that. The Lord prospered him. Are you ready for the turn? <laughs> First Kings chapter 11, verse 1. Here's the key verse for Solomon. First Kings 11, verse 1. But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, and everyone else. <laughs> All dites. King Solomon loved many strange women. If, you know, I'd encourage you to bookmark that and just, just read through it. You could skim through the story, but read what happens next. It's not good. It took a turn. And where I'm going with the stories we're about to read, I hope you understand that just like real life, we always have a choice. And the Lord takes us on a journey. There's a walk and there's a process. And we can, we, can be going, we can be going so poorly, but the Lord can still give us grace. Elder Flowers talked about it earlier. There is always enough grace. Always enough grace. There's always mercy. There, there's mercy every morning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We have access to that. On the inverse, even though we're doing well, even though we're blessed, even though we begin to prosper, even the Lord may, uh, even though he might give us favor in our job, favor in our finances, favor in our family situation, it only takes a couple turns. It only takes a couple choices. And there's an encouragement and a challenge. There's always a warning and then a hope that the scripture gives us in the stories of these men. And it, it's telling us that Look at how blessed Solomon was. But look at how even how blessed he was, he began to take a turn. He forgot what got him there. He forgot the source of it all. He forgot the one who took him there and granted him that place, granted him that favor. And it starts here. But King Solomon loved many strange women. It's not about the woman. It's not, it's not about the fact that he listened to his wife. Let me make that clear. It's the influence. Someone say influence. It's about the influence. And as we read today, I want to ask you, what habits do you allow in your home? What traditions do you guard? What traditions do you allow? What customs do you allow to enter in or allow to stay in your home? That's, that's a theme today. Okay. 
Would you pray with me before we move any further from here? Would you just begin to talk to the Lord right now? We're in a state of submission, right, church? Would you begin to talk to him right now? Lord, have your way, Father. As we continue to read of your scripture, Lord, we declare and understand, God, that there is a power in this scripture. That this scripture, even of these men long ago, Father, that there is profit for my life in this scripture, Lord. Do the work that you have ordained for my life today, Jesus. Do the work that you have ordained for my heart and my spirit today. Even as I sit here, Father, would you begin to speak to me? Would you begin to pull me in, Father? Would you begin to show some things in my life that I need to change? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to point you to... uh, that same chapter in chapter 11 verse 6 and verse 7 let's start with verse 6 and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord what a sad turn right and went not fully after the Lord that's to me that's the key phrase and went not fully We're about to read about some other guys, some other kings. And I want you to know just how big of a decision it was that Solomon made to say, hey, you know what? The influences, you know, wives, the influences of the surrounding nations, those are fine. It's probably okay if we partake in that. It's probably okay that I engage in that. You know, we can probably find a harmony We can probably, this is a bumper sticker that you might, I don't know if you see out here, but we see a lot on the west side, coexist. (laughs) We can can probably find a way to make it work. I know that there are some things about that nation that are not right. The Lord told us in the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord commanded my people not to go in up after those nations and don't let them come in here. And there's very specific reasons. It's not about the fact that there are other nations. It's about what they did. It's about what they prioritized. It's about the customs that they took part of. And King Solomon began on, I don't know the details, but King Solomon began to say, that's fine. That's probably cool. That's probably okay. Kids, you want to do that? All right, that's fine. We'll, we'll find a way. We'll find a way back. And I want to tell you today how dangerous of a path that that is. In the Holy Ghost today, let me tell someone to guard your home. Guard the habits of your home. Pray over the habits of your home. Jesus' name. What a need in today's day and age. What a need and not just necessity, But it is an absolute requirement for every believer to understand some things, to teach their kids some things, and to understand that this is what we do, this is what we don't do. You know, that that thing that we don't do, this is why we don't do that. It's okay to build strong lines, to build boundaries. Verse 7, after uh, this Solomon did evil. Then Solomon built an altar. After who? For 
Chemosh, the abomination of Moab. You know, some nations call these things gods. Some nations call these names gods. The Bible was very clear that there is no God like Jehovah, that there's no God like the one true Yahweh. And it calls them, it doesn't even call them gods with lower G's. It says abominations. That's how strongly the Lord feels about how we would begin to blur lines, about how culture might begin to tell us, yeah, this is the one true God, but this one here is probably, you know, like a medium. <laughs> this one's okay. Another translation of that word, filth. The filth of Moab. In the hill that is before Jerusalem and for Molech. Someone say Molech. Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. This one is disturbing. This one, I may or may not share later, but this one is... Just put a pin in that because we're gonna, you're going to hear that name again. So we know from Solomon that no man is perfect. You know, he, this is real life. As, as much as he got to experience the richness of life, and I don't know about you, but I can't relate to <laughs> Solomon having the greatest kingdom in the world, <laughs> exceeding riches, like being, you know, having no one like him before, no one after. I can't necessarily relate to that. But I can relate to being blessed. I can relate to the Lord making a way out of no way. I can relate to the Lord putting me in places that I know I don't deserve by my own hands. It is the favor of God. It's the blessing of the Lord. And um, even then, we know through Solomon that we can fall. That we can fall. And it's about, again, the broken and a contrite heart. How do we find a place? How do we find a way to get back on the track? How do we find a way to get back in right standing? Not to live in shame or not to withdraw or not to disconnect, but how do we find a way to get back into relationship with the Lord? See, his, his father, King David, did that. He did some evil things. King David, as mighty of a man as he was, as historic of a figure as he was, as much of a father of the nation of Israel that he was, he did some things that if you and I did those things, I mean, you know, people would, people on the internet, which they say some mean, you know, <laughs> it's a different topic, but they would tell it, they'd say, lock that guy up and throw the key away. That's, those are some of the things that David caved into. But he found a way back. He found a way back to the Lord. He found a way to get back in right standing. And how is David described once he is gone? What kind of man is he described as? He was a man after God's own heart. Because he found restoration. He lived a life with conviction. So that's Solomon. In Jesus' name. We're going to read about some other kings, and I'm just going to zoom past some of these names. Rehoboam, Solomon's son. As soon as he tried to come into power, the Lord uh, orchestrated some things, and the nation of Israel split. Okay, Became Israel in the north, Judah in the south. Two tribes in the south with Jerusalem and the 10 tribes up north. It's split, and from there we had 
a multitude of kings come into power. A multitude of generations in both nations come into power. And uh, I will just spare you some of the details. It did not go well. <laughs> it was not a positive development for many of these kings. And I will tell you this. King Solomon and the influences he allowed to creep into his life this is the price that everyone paid down the road. Rehoboam, he was the first king of Judah, and then Jeroboam became the first king of Israel. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 25, because I want to I give you something about Jeroboam. King Jeroboam in the south. King Jeroboam. Now that, you know, we are now living in a place where Israel's had influence from the outside nations, it's okay to worship Yahweh and sacrifice to the one true God, but also many people are also beginning to say, hey, Molech, that God, he's okay too. You know what, we just live in a blended nation where, you know, some of these things are okay. We're just a diverse country with diverse faiths and beliefs. Hey, I'm going to let, again, the scripture is powerful and it's quick. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's profitable for doctrine and correction, all these things. I'm going to let you draw your own conclusions, okay? I'm going to let you draw your own parallels. I'm not going to spell them all out for you, but you can maybe think about your family, your culture, your nation. And we'll go from there. First Kings chapter 12, or sorry, 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 25. Let's, let's read what uh, Jeroboam does here. Uh, verse 25, chapter 12 of 2 of Kings. Oh, maybe I got it wrong. Did I get it wrong? It's 1 Kings? That's 1 Kings. You're right. Okay. This is what I get for doing this on my phone. 1 Kings 12, verse 25. Thank you. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein and went from there and built Penuel. Let's go to the next verse. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. What does this mean? If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel. So there's that theme again, influence, counsel, advice, those who are close to him. The king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, the nation, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, two calves of gold. Something wrong here? Can you believe that we are just a couple generations from David? What happened? You know, a lot can happen in a year. A lot can happen in a few years. And so much can happen in a generation. He made two calves of gold. 
And I, I, I'm just going to let you know of something I've asked myself, and I still ask myself this as I read these scriptures. What transpired in the nation, in the culture, in this king's life, in their council, that took them to a point where they had no conviction over this? There was never a thought that two calves of gold, which the Lord explicitly said, don't make any graven images. Definitely not a gold. <laughs> what took place? Can you ask yourself that? What took place in a nation, the children of Israel? And he's even referencing your gods, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. So he remembers Egypt. He knows the story of Egypt. He knows the story of being delivered of the Red Sea, of Moses. He understands all these things. The wilderness, the promised land. He understands that, but does not fully understand our accountability for relationship to God, our submission to our Lord. Somehow that was X'd out. Somehow that was put aside. And we now have a man in charge saying, Let's, you know, it's too much. It's, it's inconvenient for you. It's inconvenient for you to get up to Israel. So guess what? Let's just, I made a calf over here, a calf of gold here and another one here. Let's, let's go. Convenience. <laughs> Convenience and ungodly influence. That's what I see here. That's the power or the danger of convenience. When you prioritize convenience. When you prioritize convenience. I've, I know we've had to, these, these are some things I've had to pray about, some things I've had to develop convictions over as we've come to a place in the year 2020 where, you know, where are we meeting? Where are we gathering? How are we gathering? How are we going to do this? What are people's comfort levels? All this. At a certain point, we've had to come to realize again, and I believe many families have. I don't know where you stand on this. How much do we factor convenience into our walk with God? <laughs> Would you talk to God for just a moment right now, where you're sitting? Jesus name. Let's go to the next king. There are several kings that, you know, are across this book. We're going to go to first kings. Um, let's see here. I should go to Second Kings. Sorry. I encourage you to read through this book when you can. And 
just skim over it. You're going to see lots of kings' names. We're not going to read all of them. I'm just skimming through a few. You're going to see lots of kings referenced. And after it says who they are, who their father was, where they reign, and how many years they reign, it says whether they did evil in the sight of the Lord or whether they walked with the Lord. Whether they did evil or right in the sight of the Lord. That's pretty much what it comes down to. And after that, I'm going to apologize and tell you to go back to 1 Kings. <laughs> and uh, chapter, let's see here. I, be, I, I was jumping around so much in my study. Let me find it. 2 Kings chapter 16. Thank you. 2 <laughs> Kings 16. Someone say Ahaz. Ahaz. You might, that might sound like another king's name that you may have heard of before named Ahab. <laughs> this is post Ahab, one of the more evil kings who we know also was married to someone who maybe you don't meet people with, with her name very often because not very many people name their daughters that. Jezebel. Ahab and, and Jezebel. And uh, just soon after that, we have Ahaz. In the 17th year, 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 1. In the 17th year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. 20 years old was Ahaz when he began to reign. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem and did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Did not that which was right like David his father. But he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, yea, and made his son to pass through the fire, according to the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel. Let me stop there. He's talking about Molech. You know what? You know how Molech was worshipped? Molech was a god that was worshipped by the Canaanites. And I've heard someone say before, oh man, poor Canaanites, they, just, they were living in their land and the Lord just loved the Israelites so much. He was like, we've got to find a way for you, so let's kick out the Canaanites. We just, they're just the losers in this story. No, no, no. You've got to look at what the Canaanite customs were. And the Canaanites worshipped Molech. And we see here, things have gotten so bad. Things have regressed so much, have gone downhill so much that Ahaz, the king, is now worshiping and sacrificing to Molech. Molech was worshipped by child sacrifice. I will, I'll spare some of the details, but it, it, it's gruesome and it's disturbing the way that this was done. And you can see why the Lord was so angered by the fact that his children would, would worship such an abomination, not even called a God by the Bible, because that's how much he hated it. Um, Moloch was worshipped by, they would heat up the statue, okay, the graven image of Moloch, to a point where they were now ready for child sacrifice. And I'll let you draw, you know, I'll let you fill in the blanks from there. But that's how disturbing it was. When I read this, my, I was so disturbed in my spirit. 
I was so, um, I was almost angry in my spirit. How could the nation of Israel, how could Judah, how could God's chosen people who are still out here referencing Egypt, still out here talking about the Red Sea and, and remembering Moses and remembering the promised land and understanding that they're living in the land that God promised them. How could they get to a point where they are now sacrificing? And as it says here, very well put, but we know it's gruesome. We know it's explicit. It says he made his son to pass through the fire according to the abominations of the heathen. What a time. What a downturn. Whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel. He's refer referencing Canaanites. This is how bad it got. Did you know? Do you want to know if, uh, like, if Ahaz built the temple to Molech? Where did we hear Molech? Who's king? Solomon. It doesn't say that Solomon sacrificed to Molech. Okay? There's no word in scripture that says Solomon engaged in child sacrifice, in this worship to these other gods, right? And I think if it did, the Bible would describe him differently. <laughs> Let's just say that. God would have different feelings and different descriptions for us to read about Solomon. But here's what Solomon did. Solomon was the one who built the temple. I'll let you make your own conclusions. Elder Har here is a Bible scholar, so maybe he knows the, the answer to this. But when I read this story, I don't see if King Solomon was the one who had the idea to build the temple to Molech. I don't know if it was. I think, you know, in my personal opinion... It says earlier in that chapter that King Solomon loved many strange women. He had over 700 wives and concubines. King Solomon was so influenced, so turned over, so fallen away from a relationship, a real relationship with the one true God, that he had gotten to a point where he said, oh, you want to build a God to the, Mole I, you know, the Molech God? Whatever you want, go for it. That's cool. It's fine. You see how dangerous it is to say it's fine sometimes? <laughs> I'm saying this as a parent, and I've got to make some choices. I've got to communicate some things. I've got to draw some lines, and I've got to build some boundaries. And, you know, my kids are four and two, so, you know, it's early on. Some of you have, have older kids, and you're like, just wait. And I understand, and I pr just pray for me, okay? I'll pray for you, too. But we need grace. We need the Lord's understanding to discern judgment. Somewhere along the way, King Solomon said, it's okay. I've been given the wisdom to understand, sorry, the discernment to, to understand judgment. I've been give, given wisdom above all. But you know what? I've gotten to this point, and I'll just make this call. It's okay. Molech is okay. I don't know what that all entails. You know, all the cool kids, you guys are like, they're doing this over here. I don't really understand all of that, but I don't have to. That's fine. You can just go, go do whatever you need to do for Molech. Just generations after, you have an actual king of Israel. Someone sitting on the throne 
accountable to the nation of Israel, sacrificing his son to a pagan god. This is a story of Ahaz. Let's move on. I'm uh, almost to a close here. I know this might, this might be a little bit different. We're reading so much scripture. We're just bouncing between king to king. But there's a point here. And I'm going to encourage you in just a moment. I'm gonna, we're going to get some hope. We're going to understand the Lord's plan and the Lord's purpose and understand that we are called to more than this. We know this is just a warning. We know that this is for us to take heed, like King David said to King Solomon. Take heed in your way. Watch your path. How are you walking? Make sure that you walk before the Lord with all your heart and all your soul. Make sure you walk before the Lord in truth is what it says. It doesn't just say walk before the Lord, but walk before the Lord in truth with all your heart and with all your soul. Understand what the truth is and pursue it. Would you talk to him one more time before we, if you, before we move from here? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I understand, Father. And I have a clarity today, Jesus, to see the warning that's in your scripture. I can see the caution in my spirit, Father, from what you've allowed us to read. What you've allowed us to observe in the scripture and in, in history, Lord. I pray that, that you would forbid, Jesus, that you would give me strength, Father, to not repeat the patterns, to understand where some of these things may have transpired in my life, where some of these things that may have transpired in my upbringing, in my, in my, my raising, Jesus, in my past, Father. And let me see clearly over the next few minutes, let me see clearly over the next few moments, Father, the change the contrast, the walk that you've set before me, the path that you've given me, it is different. In the name of Jesus. We're going to read about one more king, Hosea. He is an evil king. Chapter 17 of 1 Kings, or sorry, 2 Kings. I'll stop doing that. We're in 2 Kings now. We're not going back to 1 Kings. In the 12th year of Ahaz, king of Judah, right? This is what the book of Kings does. It tells you about one king in the northern kingdom. In the next chapter, we'll tell you about the other king who was his contemporary. Okay? So now we're reading about the southern kingdom here, Judah, the tribe of Judah and of Benjamin in the south. Began Hosea, the son of Elah, to reign in Samaria over Israel nine years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel that were before him. He's basically saying he was so evil. He was even more evil than the Israelites. How much influence, a little bit of influence, it just snowballs. It just snowballs. And we've now come to a point, church, where the Lord is angered where he begins to pass on judgment. He says, I've, I've seen this for too long. I've watched this take place for too long. I'm going to make some things transpire here. I'm going to raise up. It says this in the Bible often. God raises up an adversary. 
it's time to bring judgment. So I'm going to bring a hard place. I'm going to bring a hard season. I'm going to bring a trial, and I'm going to bring a judgment because of this sin. And this is what takes place. 200 years, 19 kings after Solomon, we have Assyria conquering Israel. Some scholars believe that these are the, they call them the 10 lost tribes because you got the two tribes in the southern kingdom, right? The northern kingdom, Israel, once they were conquered by Assyria, here's what they did. Just to make sure that they had a, a strong hold and a rule in that area, they would depopulate the area. They, they'd literally, I mean, it was brutal. Assyria was brutal. And they would, they would tie people up. They'd connect them all. With, they'd use fish hooks, stuff like that. And they would drag them out of their towns, out of their states, out of their nation. And they would move them back and repopulate some of their other nations. Say, okay, here's your job now. They take half the population and just exile them. And they would say, here's your identity now. You are now an Assyrian. You are no longer of the tribe of, you know, whatever, Ephraim. You're no longer of that tribe. You are now an Assyrian. And 200 years after Solomon, this is the place we've come to. It says in verse 7, I'll just read it. You don't have to turn to it in 2 Kings 17. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God who brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh. And they had feared other gods and walked in the statutes of the heathen. And here's where we are because of what they did. What a downward turn. What a downward spiral. And I, I'm... I'm I'm not going to say I'm sorry because I feel like this is necessary. This is important. We can't just ignore these scriptures. We can't just ignore that this took place and say, oh, we're fine. Remember the danger of it's fine. <laughs> Remember the danger. That's not peace. That's not peace from God to say it's fine. That's laziness. <laughs> and this is the danger of that. Here's how far we've come because of a maybe lazy response. To whether to institute some boundaries or not. That's how far we've come. But there's always hope, church. I'm here to tell you today. There's always a plan. There's always a purpose. And here's what the Lord does. As much as he might raise up an adversary, as much as he might judge sin because he hates it, and I'm almost done, he is also the kind of God who will raise up a leader. He's going to raise up a king. He might raise up someone and draw him in. Here's what I, I'm, we're about to read a story. I love this story so much. I can't wait. I just need to make sure I give you the right book in Kings. <laughs> Which Kings? First Kings. Well, let me see. Let me get there first. Someone say Hezekiah. Would you stand with me? 
I'm going to turn it back to Elder Flowers here in just a moment. I want to read this with you. 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea. So we've seen, right, what took place with Hosea. Hosea took it so far that the Lord said, all right, we're done. Israel is done. My chosen people, done, cut off. What a, what a harsh judgment. But now we've come to a point where it says, in that year, the third year of Hosea, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz. Can I, can I point that out to you? That this is such a miracle to me. Ahaz, the, one of the worst kings in the history of God's people. What a, a king who allowed his nation to partake in such evil. You now have a young man, 25 years old, when he begins to reign, named Hezekiah. Here's what I love about this story, church. 25 years old was he when he began to reign. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abby, the daughter of Zechariah. Verse 3. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. What a breath of fresh air, right? We've been reading so much pressure, so much negativity. And I'm sorry that we, we spent so much time there, church, but at the same time, I'm not. I feel like it's important. Here's where we're at. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David, his father, did. That's all it says. Let's go to the next verse. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves. You get the picture. Here's, I'm going to explain some things. We, we went over this in more detail in federal way, but if you read the scripture, you'll see these kings like Joash and Amaziah who did some good things. They, did, they weren't outright evil men, okay? But it says they still continued in the sin of their fathers. They allowed Israel to continue to sin. Here's what they didn't do. They didn't break down the high places that were established by Jeroboam. Jeroboam built some calves, right? He put them up and he said, out of convenience and because of the ungodly influence in my life, you can now worship this way. This is okay. Outside of the truth of Yahweh, outside of the truth of God, you can now worship this way, which is a sin. Now we have generations, even good men who tried, to, who, who tried to do good things, and yet they failed to remove the influence. Again, the danger of influence, the power of influence. It says here, he removed the high places. Here's what I love about this church. It doesn't say what happened in Hezekiah's life. It doesn't say what transpired in the year, in his first year, up to year 25 of his life that formed Hezekiah, that formed his belief system, that formed his convictions, that formed how he lived. It doesn't say it. All it says is that Hezekiah, when he began to rule, when it was his time, I believe there was a purpose that rose up in his heart. <laughs> Jesus. I believe there was a righteous conviction that rose up in the heart of Hezekiah. 
I said, I recognize that there is an evil that's taken place. There's an influence upon my nation. There's an influence upon my lineage. The traditions of men, even the, even the grandfathers of mine who were good men, they allowed some things to take place. And I realized and I recognized based on the history of my people, there's some things that are wrong with that. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somewhere along the line, church, Hezekiah decided, you know what? When I get in power, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to break those high places down. The first thing I'm going to do is get rid of those influences. When I have the ability to do it, I'm going to break down that high place. I'm going to remove it and I'm going to tell my nation, this is how we're going to worship. This is how we're going to serve the one true God. In the name of Jesus. He cut down the groves. He removed the high places. He broke the images. Here's, um, we don't have to turn there, but in the book of 2 Chronicles, it describes Hezekiah this way. It says, Thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah. And he wrought, he did, he, he took action. He didn't sit passively, he didn't stand by. It says, he wrought that which was good and right and truth before the Lord his God. He, he did and he took actions based on what was right, based on what was good, and based on what was truth before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and in the law and in the commandments to seek his God, he did it with all his heart. He prospered. He did it with all his heart and he prospered. Can I point you to what King David said to King Solomon again? He said, if you would watch your, watch your path, take heed of your way. Take heed of your way. Watch it. Guard over it. Walk before the Lord in truth with all your heart and with all your soul. And you will prosper in whatever you do, wherever you turn, if you walk before the Lord. See, that's been twisted now. There's a prosperity gospel that's taking place in mainstream Christianity, but we understand it's contingent upon walking before the Lord in his truth walking before the lord in his truth with all of our hearts with all of our souls that's the if statement that's the condition if i would just walk before the lord if i would set my eyes upon him in the name of jesus before i turn this over to elder flowers i would just ask you church as you as you begin to speak to the lord right now I would just ask you, I don't know what story you bring into this place. I don't know what context that you've brought in here. I don't know what your upbringing looked like. I don't know how you were raised. I don't know what your family situation looks like. I don't know what your finances look like. I don't know the circumstances of your life today. But can I tell you today that the Lord has a plan, he has a purpose, and he always raises up men. He always raises up a believer. He always raises up a woman. Just like in the time of Queen Esther, it says, For such a time as this, I have called you. 
anyone here today, anyone here today identify with that? You've been called for a season. You've been called for a purpose. You've been called for such a time as this today. Let me make that clear to you today. I don't care how bad it's gotten. I don't care how evil society is. I don't care how bad... I don't care how bad the circumstances have gotten. If you would just believe, if you would just see that the Lord has raised you up at a time like this, if you would just begin to take hold with confidence, not passively, not just saying, okay, I'll do some of the things. No, but walk with the Lord with all your heart. Walk with the Lord in the truth. Begin to walk that way. Begin to follow him with all your heart and with all your soul he said you're going to prosper you're going to prosper wherever you turn you'll you'll be kept in perfect peace that surpasses all understanding you're going to be kept in a peace that's guarded through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ would you understand that today before you leave God has raised you up understand that today don't be like the other kings that said let's let's just continue or that's fine or let's live mostly right let me do most of the things okay but let me let me leave that high place over there that idol will leave it over there in the corner that matters to God that matters to God that matters to God did the Lord raise you up to where you are today did God raise you up to where you're standing today believe he did amen we've heard from the Lord today I believe he wants us to respond the Lord reminded me in the last in the last couple of years there's become a uh, I guess a fad you might call it what they call minimalism and there was an author that got popular some of you probably even know who I'm talking about but the the idea was you can get rid of everything in your house and have a minimalist house and uh, you'll get rid of worry and stress and all that I, I'm probably butchering it because I don't I never I never watched or went through this myself but here's what I remember about it the theory was you get everything in your house clothes, furniture, whatever. And you look at it, and you, I, I don't remember exactly, but you're supposed to say, does this bring me joy or not? And if no, throw it away. Now, here's why I say that. I told you we've heard from the Lord today, and He wants us to respond. This is how, this is how it's supposed to work. Every, everybody say everything. Everything in my life bring that before the Lord and I say Lord is this pleasing to you is this pleasing to you I promise you it either is or is not and that which is we keep that which is not we destroy not we set it aside 
but we'll come back to that later. What do you need? You need a second glance at it? You need more time to... Either it is or it's not. The spiritual implements today are a chainsaw, a garbage can, a delete button. And we, in our response, we are supposed to utilize them to get out that which is not pleasing to the Lord. This altar is open right now. I'm going to ask you if you would come before the Lord. Come on, let this be a personal thing between you and Him. We've heard about kings today. We've heard about nations today. But the principle applies to me, to my life. Lord, I want to do that which is pleasing to you. I want to do that which is right in your sight. I want to do that, God, which leads to you for your good pleasure. Come on, do it today. Like the scripture says, commit your works unto the Lord. Commit your works unto the Lord. Jesus, Lord, I want to know that I'm doing right in your eyes. God, I want to know that my family is making right decisions according to that which pleases you. God, I believe you would help us today. You would help us as individuals. You would help us as husbands, as wives, as parents, Lord. You would help us today to know I'm doing that which pleases you. I commit it to you right now, Father. Lord, that which is not pleasing to you, I want to get it out right now. I want to cause it to be gone, destroyed, removed, Lord. No longer an issue. No longer an issue. Come on, pray it with authority right now. Pray it with us. I'm not wondering. I'm not questioning. I'm not going back and forth. Today I know the Lord has convinced me. The Lord has shown me. He's proven to me. His ways. His ways. That which is right in His sight.
tell you this quickly. It's easier now than it ever has been. For us to just bounce off of one influence to another influence to another influence. Spend a little time here doing this and then go here and do this and tune into this for a bit and then switch over to this. It's easier now than it ever has been. And the, the, the sources of the influence now are more numerous than they ever have been. I mean, it's nothing to subscribe to 300 YouTube channels. That's probably on the light side for people that that look at YouTube. And you just you can go from this to this to this. There, you know, a hundred of them are like this. A hundred, maybe whatever you, whatever we're into. But you can you can bounce from this influence so quickly to this to this to this, and before we even know it or whether we think about it or not, everything that we watch and listen to, subscribe to, it all has an influence. Doesn't matter what the topic is. It could be classic cars or cooking. It all has an influence. And the Lord knows you. The Lord knows you. You know who else? The enemy knows you. Knows you well enough to know all I need is these channels, these avenues, enough opportunity for this and this and this. What does cutting down a grove look like in 2021? I want you to ask yourself that. What does, what does burning books look like in 2021? What? The Lord is speaking to us today and He wants us to consider the source of every influence, everything I'm tuned into, everything I allow into these ears, into these eyes. It's nothing for you as a parent to look at your child and be like, oh, that's not, you've been in the wrong place. You've heard the wrong thing. As a parent, you can, you can spot that just like that. But in ourselves, oh, it's just a little this, a little that. It's over here in this compartment. And we can justify the exact same thing for ourselves because it's me. The Lord wants us to examine every influence. This is not the first time He said this to us. Lord, I want my heart to be open to You. I want my mind to be set upon you, Lord Jesus. As the scripture says, help me set my affection on things above 
and not things of this world. Jesus, I pray it right now. Lord, I pray the cleansing work of your Spirit. I pray the cleansing work of your Spirit over each of us. God, I pray it today. Renew the mind, Lord Jesus. Renew the Spirit, O God. I pray it in Jesus' name. We want that which is from you, that which is holy, that which is pleasing to you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God. Do your work in me. Do your work in my home and my family, Lord. Let the influences be pure. Lord, let them be that which brings glory to you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, last thing I'm going to say. We're getting up on Christmas. That usually means more time at home than usual. This is just a little reminder about what we heard today. If I know I'm going to be spending more time at home or in these surroundings or with my family, turn your ears on. I'm not trying to make Christmas, uh, you know, lame. No, I'm saying just be aware. Because all of this, it's, what, it's, it's every day that we live, but we can get so busy that we don't think about what's right and what's wrong. As crazy as that sounds. A time like this, a season like this, where it's maybe fewer work hours, where it's more home time, where it's more family time, should be an opportunity for me to gauge and watch and listen and make sure and to share. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you, Elder Laksamana, for ministering to us today. Amen. You are dismissed.